Sorry, somebody just thumped really loudly. Hopefully not in my apartment, because that would be crazy. God, that would suck. <laughs> I think it was above me. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm okay. Doing okay. How are you? I'm good. These headphones do not sound great, but they are awesome because they have cat ears on them and they're blinking. You bought them? (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, they sound they sound pretty tinny, but they're spectacular. <laughs> I'm gonna stop this blinking though, because I might get dizzy here in my little box with it flashing oh. blue. <laughs> That's absurd. I also have fun lights happening. I turned on my galaxy projector in the room, so nice. Inside, I've got fun lights, and outside, I've got fun lights today. That yeah. is fantastic. I need to put up some Christmas lights now. Oh god, that right, I thought about, that's that time. Yeah, I thought about doing it today, but then I didn't. Yeah. And that's my exciting story. Woo! Do you want to hear about my gross cat, or do you want to hear a story about my car? <laughs> oh, goodness. And what's wrong with that? Um, kind of neither, but kind of both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this involves Buddy, who, to recap, has... Some growth in his ear yes. that has led him to scratch a lot and bleed a yep. lot. And he's been living in a cone for, God, two plus months now. and Two and a half months? Jeez. Uh-huh. So the other day, I had taken his cone off to let him eat and drink. And he was drinking water. So I walked away for not long. It was not long. But when I came back, he had stuck his foot in his ear, of course, mm. and bled. Oh. I cleaned him up a little bit, put the cone back on, and then the next morning, I went into the kitchen, and on the floor, there was this sort of dark red blob. Buddy ripped out part of the thing growing in his ear. I might throw up. I'm sorry. And as as a biologist who's seen a lot of gross things, this is nasty. (laughs) So he had more blood on him. I cleaned him up. On the bright side, his ear looks emptier now. (laughs) See, this is why I could never be a vet. This is vile. (laughs) You are welcome. You and your cat are vile. (laughs) That's true. And now I can't unhear this, and I will never be able to unsee it in my mind's eye, and now all of our listeners will be exposed to it, too. (laughs) Yeah, so that's Buddy. He doesn't seem any worse for it. And my car is back in the shop because it's still randomly locking and unlocking and replacing the entire shifter did not fix it. And I haven't heard back and I dropped it off yesterday morning. Yay. Yeah. So that wasn't as fun and definitely not as gross. I guess the other story wasn't really fun either. I feel less grumpy now because it sounds like my day, as annoying as it was, is still better than your day. <laughs> That's okay. The The gross cat thing actually happened a little a couple days ago, but I was oh, saving okay. it for, for the podcast. <laughs> gross. Yeah. How about you? What's up? Drinking some wine. <laughs> it's yes. delicious. This is like the semester that won't end because I keep feeling like, oh, it's almost over. And then it's not over, so... 
Yeah. So here we are. I was spending most of the day writing lectures, or not writing lectures, but like making pod, uh, making podcasts. This is podcast. Making PowerPoint slides. There we go. That's the words. Woo. And I still have to write exams, and then I'll have to grade a bunch of exams, and uh, it's fine. And then I've got a bunch of students with various issues and students that are failing that want to know how they can possibly pass at this point. And then I always feel bad saying, well, you can't, but time travel, you know. man. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So it's rough. I always feel really bad telling people like, well, no, cause you haven't tried hard at all throughout the entire semester and you missed a bunch of classes. So I can't suddenly give you a B minus so you can pass when you've only earned a D. But I paid for it. Yeah, well, a lot of other students also paid for it and also showed up for class and did the work. So here we are. But I still always yes. feel bad. Yeah, I I understand. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want any help grading the exam, just let <laughs> I me don't, know. I don't want your help grading exams, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in general, I would love to have someone help me grade exams, but specifically your help? No. <laughs> I know your philosophy and no. <laughs> one of them an a <laughs> maybe uh, thanks yeah, yeah. you're a jerk yeah. you're mean <laughs> it's true yep so that's my day just lots yeah. of work busy but so close so close Woo. i think i'm already mentally checked out for holidays so i am pretty much too and that's what makes it that much harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i look at a calendar and i'm like oh there's still like weeks left <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, woo, Thanksgiving break. Semester's pretty much over. And now I'm back at work and like, no, there's like two and a half weeks left. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Students don't want to be there. I don't want to be there any more than the students want to be there. It's a tough time of year. Yeah. 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 So aside from griping about stuff and sharing disgusting stories, (laughs) what else are we talking about today? Oh, it had to do with learning things. It was almost somewhat relevant. That's to true. What we were talking about that is true. Because mm. today we're talking about Stargate SG One Season Three Episode Five, Learning Curve. Yes. Fun fact too. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, SG One is not gone from Netflix. Oh, really? I just checked. I don't oh, know. I didn't even bother today. I, just I was used like, my DVD. just out of curiosity. Oh. Yeah, it's still well, there. Cool. At least it is on my computer, which I don't think would be different from yours. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, that's weird. But I noticed that when I was watching it last week, I noticed that there were some other shows that they were taking off of Netflix that had a warning of, like, this show will be removed on whatever date. And I did notice that that warning was not present on Stargate. So. That's funny, because it had weird. been. Oh, yeah, weird. It okay. was. I was specifically looking for it, and I didn't see it. Well, hallelujah! Woo! We're still going. See how long that... Rides. I don't know. I doubt it. But let's enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we we're going to talk about learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. If I find my notes. They're here somewhere. Yeah. There notes they are. are. Notes are for chumps. It's true. <laughs> Many of my students think that as well. <laughs> and that's why they're failing. <laughs> yep. We start with some tink, 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 tink noises, which is my favorite. And we're not on Earth. We are in on a planet elsewhere. 
and the Stargate is in the room that they're tink tink tinking away in. The Stargate t- looked uh, a little bit different than a lot of the Stargates we've seen. It did. I noticed it was like a weird red shade, even though they talked about it being made of Naquita, or they were talking about Naquita. I assumed it was made of the same stuff. I was wondering if they it had been painted. I was looking up things today about ancient Mexican civilizations, mm-hmm. like you do. Right. And I think that painting things red was a thing. Maybe it wasn't red. But anyway, yeah. making things colorful was a thing, I think. Yeah. And so maybe it's just painted. I don't know. Could but yeah, be, yeah, so it's a little like brownish, coppery color. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty. It is. But different. And it, and it goes with the room. It does. So what the tink, tink, tinking is, is that <laughs> they are doing some archaeological digging in that room. On the floor, on the walls, up on some scaffolding, there's a child working alongside Daniel Jackson. In fact, all of the workers seem to be children. So that's Yes, all of the workers are children. Should I admit that I'm not a huge fan of children in general? (laughs) There are several children that I love. I have many nieces and nephews, and I like most of them. But in general, I was thinking that... Children would be very helpful to have in my lab because the teeny tiny PCR tubes that I use are so small and their teensy little fingers would be way better at handling them than my giant fingers are. (laughs) Well, maybe, you know, child labor laws will get more lax as time goes on and you can start hiring them to touch your lab equipment for you. Yeah, That'll be fun. Right. It's a perfect plan. Yeah. So these children have all been drafted to be archaeologists, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. And they're hanging out with Daniel when the gate starts dialing. And the gate opens and Jack and Teal come through. Jack then asks about child labor laws as he notices this place full of children working. And Daniel says they're kind of like apprentices to adults. So this is just how things are on this planet. He hands over to Jack an artifact, which at first I thought was a cup, but apparently it looks like it's some kind of bracelet or something. Yeah. He said it has the Aztec goddess of water on it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. but <laughs> It's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Daniel's super excited to find more. He's like, these people don't know what they have here. And then a man comes in with a girl. Her name is Marin. And they are going to be doing an exchange student sort of program with this planet. I guess not just students, but a thing as well. So this girl and this guy as well will accompany Jack through the gate. His name is Kaylin. Mm-hmm. And she's Marin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tilk is going to stay on this side of the gate and share his knowledge of the gold freely, which Jack says that Tilk is eager on the inside about this. <laughs> and Jack's like, where's our Naquita reactor? And the girl is actually holding it. And it sort of looks like two Borg cubes fused together. It really did, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was actually trying to think, like, why does this look so familiar? And that's why. You're exactly right. Jack tells Daniel to have fun. Tilk to make friends. Then they go through the gate. Back to Earth. Back on Earth. Sam and Hammond are walking down a hallway and discussing the people 
of the planet that they just came from. Sam's talking about how they're one of the most impressive societies that they've ever come across because they've managed to accomplish in a few decades what it took humans over a century to achieve. So Hammond thinks that it sounds like they'll probably make some pretty good allies. They're not up to gold levels of technology yet, but Sam thinks that they are well on their way. They were standing in the gate room by this point. Jack and Kaylin and Marin all come through the gate. Kaylin thanks General Hammond for the exchange and says that he is sure it will be fruitful for both worlds. And so he introduces Marin to Sam and says that they present you with this Naquita reactor. And Sam looks super happy and excited <laughs> to study it yep. as she thanks them for it. She's clearly getting ready to nerd out over this thing. Hammond offers to give them a tour, but Kaylin's like, nah, there's really no point. I'm going home now. <laughs> Everyone's kind of surprised, and they're like, but you just got here, and how am I supposed to learn how to use this thing? Who's going to teach me? Kaylin and Marin both seem confused by that. Apparently, they don't know what the word teach means, so Sam defines it for them, and they're like, oh. Marin says, I will teach you. So the kid's going to stay behind and help out Carter. Whoa. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird scene. Yeah. Yep. After credits, Hammond and Sam and Marin are in the elevator. And he is telling Marin that she must make a visit to the infirmary first before they get started. Marin immediately understands why this is necessary. Her being a foreign person on yeah. their planet. She's a science yeah. person. She gets yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, right. Jack was there, too. Jack makes chit-chat with her, like, so, you're a reactor expert. And she's like, yeah. And he asks her how old she is, and she says, 11. And how old are you? <laughs> Jack then just goes back to asking her about being a reactor expert. It was silly. Oh, Jack. Yeah. Silly Jack. <laughs> back on Orban in the gate room. They are continuing to try to unbury stuff and uncover stuff. Daniel's working on a mosaic on the floor by the DHD. Kalen comes in with a kid that he introduces as his son, Tommen, who is apparently also a Euron, which reminded me of the ghost story La Yorona, but that really has nothing at all to do with what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. He asks Tilk to tell Tommen all that he possibly can and all that he possibly knows about the gold. Tommen thanks Tilk for the generous offer of sharing their knowledge. And Daniel wants to know where the apprentice was that he was working with earlier, someone named Zarin. He wants to know where she went because he needs her help again. But Kaylin says, no, well, she's not here. She has experienced her avarium, which just made me want to go to the brewery alvarium. But <laughs> none of these children should be experiencing alvarium because they are all way too young to be drinking. So Daniel asks what avarium is and if it's like graduation. And Kaylin's like, yeah, it's kind of like that. Sure, we'll go with that. So they're going to go outside to look at the pyramids of the sun in the daylight because it will be advantageous to see them that way, which makes sense because they are called the pyramids of the sun. So <laughs> Kaylin and Tilk stay behind. Tilk slowly turns to Tommen, <laughs> looks down at him skeptically, Tilts his head to the side and says, what, what is, is your, your purpose? purpose? <laughs> and that's a question I would like to ask of most children that I meet. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure all of our listeners who have children have delightful, wonderful children. <laughs> it's all of, of our non-listeners. Anyone that doesn't listen to this show that has kids that yeah. I question. Please come listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The best children are the ones being raised by sci-fi nerds because those children turn into sci-fi nerds, uh, as I can attest to from my own experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tillman says that he is trying to make observations of Tilk's physical appearance, so he was just staring at Tilk. They start talking about the gold, and because Tilk is such an imposing figure, Tillman thinks he can understand now why the gold are so feared. Yeah. In the SGC, Marin is in the infirmary having blood drawn by Dr. Frazier. Jack refers to her as a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not a rocket scientist. So Sam's like, he means you're very smart. Marin is confused by this. She asks if he thinks her intellect is unusual. And Jack's like, no, we've got lots of intelligent people. They're just not as young as you are. Marin's trying to understand Earth people and asks, so you're not always as smart as you are now? And Dr. Fraser says they go to school to become experts. Sam explains to her what school is. Then Marin says to Jack, you're not a scientist. Jack says no. And then she says, so you're not as smart as Major Carter and Dr. Frazier. Jack seemed kind of proud to not be a scientist. And then when Marin's like, oh, well, then you must not be as smart. He's like, oh, um, (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Sam is also very amused by this exchange, which I enjoyed a lot. I thought it was great. Because Jack's like, well, it depends. And then he's like, yeah, okay, you're right. (laughs) But I was doing other things, like having fun while they were doing school. Learning and science are fun, though. They are. Jack's like, you know what fun is, right? Fun? Fun? (laughs) It's what you do to make yourself happy. Games or music, you know, things you do when you're not learning to be rocket scientists. She's not familiar with this concept. (laughs) And Sam says that learning about the reactor is fun for her. Right? Yeah. And so Marin's going to teach Sam about the reactor, and Jack's like, go knock yourself out. Yeah. Sounds like a good day to me. Yeah. Yeah. Back on Orban in the gate room, Tillman and Tilk are continuing to talk about the Gwold and Tilk's experience as first prime. He no longer serves the Gwold, but wants to help his people instead. And they're talking about how... Tilk is not going to let his his Gwold take over anybody else. And so eventually that Gwold is going to die. And Toman correctly figures that when that Gwold dies, Tilk will die as well. And Toman thinks that that will be unfortunate. And I agree. Outside, Daniel and Kaylin are talking. We get a really cool view. I thought it looked like a really cool city anyway. There was an Aztec pyramid that was surrounded by jungle, but it was also interspersed with like these big raised walkways and skyscrapers. Uh, I was wondering why all of the people here are so fair-haired and light-skinned and blonde and freckled, because they're supposed to be the direct descendants of the Aztecs, and these are not particularly Aztec traits, but here we are. So Daniel's talking excitedly about how he should have known by the murals. Tabulero construction of the pyramids confirms it now. We don't really know exactly what they're talking about just yet, but he explains that there was a pre-Columbian city 
in South America that was known as Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Thank you. Teotihuacan. He also, it should also be pointed out that Daniel is wrong. It's not in South America. It's in Mexico, which is not in South oh, America. It is not. You're, yeah, that is correct. <laughs> anyway. Right. He says that it was even bigger than ancient Rome. Is that true? Or do you not know? It seems like from the Wikipedia I was reading, it's it, if not larger, it's com- definitely comparable. comparable. It was okay. a very large city for that time. All right. I was hoping that you would have looked into it, but then I didn't. Yeah. The population, I think, was around 125,000 people at its yeah, that's height. That's a lot. For the, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So Daniel's like, I guess being even bigger than ancient Rome doesn't really mean anything to you. But <laughs> trust me, it is significant. Kaylin says, well, I thought you said that we were Aztecs. And Daniel says, no, these people predated the Aztecs. So they go inside and Daniel takes Kaylin over to the mosaic that he was studying earlier and starts pointing out different pictures and explaining some background story to him. But Kaylin's like, no, I don't care. (laughs) He wants Daniel to explain it to his son, Toman. So Tilk and Toman come over and Daniel tells them all about the city that flourished for centuries as a religious and economic mecca. But apparently there was a great upheaval around 750 AD, Earth time. And they think that these people that are on this planet now were the descendants of that civilization. So Taman asks, do you think that it was the arrival of the Gua'uld that caused the downfall of that society? Daniel says, yep. Daniel's history, other than misplacing the city, seems pretty spot on from what I was reading. Huh, okay. Although I'm not sure the gold called, caused the upheaval. <laughs> no? Maybe not. I don't know. Is there any theory as to what did? It seemed like there was a lot of famine and oh, okay. things were happening at that time that led to a lot of unrest. Uh, <laughs> initially, it sounded, I, I guess the history of sort of their study of it, the area is that people had theorized that they had been invaded and the city burned. Invaded but they, by gold. Yes, by the gold. But the, the it turns out that not the whole city was burned. It was only the sort of the ruling class that was ah. burned out. So they think that's, you know, that's why it sort of leads to it was more of an internal issue. Mm-hmm. And then there were all these other things. I guess there was um, a couple year, hundred years before that, there was a massive volcano eruption that like affected the, the entire world's weather. Yeah. And I think that sort of, they, I think that it sounds like maybe that was something that led to this eventually, their downfall. But gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That all anyway. makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Also, it's crazy to think that a volcano erupting, like, changes the weather on the whole planet. It's I know, just, isn't it? But it's for, it, yeah, it's it for totally sure can. Yeah. But I've taught students about, like, global climate and climate change and also historical climate patterns. We've talked about that kind of thing, and it's crazy. And it makes me think, you know, maybe a volcano wouldn't be so bad right about now. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Volcanoes will cool things off a little bit. It would not actually benefit the planet for a giant volcano <laughs> eruption to happen. But. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe a nice old nuclear winter. Oh, boy. <laughs> Solving global warming here on Stargazing yep. yeah, with I'm Mary. Yeah, good ideas. What could go wrong with that plan? <laughs> in the SGC, Sam is in her nerd lab. I assume it's different than Daniel's nerd lab, yes. Probably. Yeah. She's got the reactor hooked up to her instruments is trying to understand what Marin is telling her about the device. 
Sam looks like she has a headache and is having trouble following Marin. So Marin's like, let's start over with the Fadnor or something. And Sam's like, no, let's break it down into its basic components. What's this casing made of? And then Marin starts talking about the Fadnor again. And Sam's like, no, no, wait, but what is it made of? <laughs> and then she just starts, you know, reasoning herself like, oh, it blocks radiations, lead lined. That's easy. And then the material would have to do, 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 do. I thought it was funny that she was initially saying it can't be this hard. And I was thinking to myself, like, sure it can. Science is often hard. (laughs) My students are frequently saying that to me. They're like, why do you have to make this so complicated? Why can't you make this easier for us? And my response to that is generally, you mean, can I change how we evolved, how many parts we have and how they all work? No, no, I cannot. I can only teach you about what is. (laughs) It's funny. I've been reading uh, Katie Mack's The End of Everything. Nice. And it's even though it's written to try to like make this as simplified, it still like kind of breaks my brain thinking about it. <laughs> and I should read that. Yeah. Like She's her. very delightful. She's a delightful writer. I enjoy her. She's Excellent. fun. Yeah. Sam is not used to having anything break her brain, apparently. So True. this is, yeah. <laughs> but Dr. Frazier then comes in. So we got a little break she wants Marin back in the infirmary for follow-up tests so they head there they do they do in the infirmary Frazier is talking to Jack and Sam and Hammond about Marin's blood work showing trace levels of silicon and precious trinium and some other elements she's never seen before but it's definitely not a mineral that is found on earth so everyone figures that this probably isn't so good and apparently Fraser found out that what is responsible for this are a bunch of little tiny nanites inside her brain and also apparently in her blood. Gross the nanobots up. <laughs> so I was also thinking. <laughs> Playing in my head as they were talking about yeah. this. <laughs> and then Fraser starts talking about Marin's abnormally high neural peptide levels and she continues to talk about how there are millions of these nanites infesting the girl's brain and it's ominous and Jack's not too happy because he remembers when he was infected by nanites and got really old really quickly. Good times. They've put the base now on Threatcon Bravo in case these things start to spread and Fraser wants to have blood samples from everybody to make sure that it hasn't already started spreading. Marin is present for this conversation, at least, so it's not as bad as last episode where everyone was talking about Daniel's health without him being there. And Marin clarifies that her nanoprocessors are completely harmless to everybody else and that they generally should only be staying in her brain. And yes, they might have found one in her blood, but if that happens, then the things are set to self-destruct because they're not supposed to leave the brain. So Fraser's pretty stunned and asks Marin, do you mean all Orbanian brains look like this? And Marin explains to them that every citizen of the planet receives a nanite after every single avarium that happens. Your own children, such as herself, are given millions more of these nanites at birth than the general populace because they're required to learn tons of information very, very quickly. And that's done at infancy before the neural pathways are established. Not quite accurate. Neural pathways are established before infancy, but then they are also continued to form very rapidly during infancy and childhood. So I won't be too picky about that one. Sam says, all right, so these nanites act 
like additional synapses. And Marin says that that's all they do. They don't age them the way that Jax did and they can't leave their brain. They'll self-destruct if they leave the, the brain and get elsewhere in the body. So Hammond's like, all right, well, that doesn't sound so bad then. And tells Carter that she can continue her work, but he does still want the blood samples from everybody on base just in case. Yeah, be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. Caution is good, and they generally tend to not have enough of it. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so probably a good call. Yeah. Back on Orban, Kaylin is looking down at the picture, image, whatever, that they've uncovered on the floor underneath the DHD when Toman comes in. And tells dad that he would like to undergo the ovarium now, even though he's not 12 yet. Because he is very concerned about what he has learned from Teal'c about the gold. And that if the gold ever find out about them, the Orban will be destroyed. So he needs to put his knowledge to use immediately. Kaelin's a proud dad and is going to notify the elders that they're going to do this. And then there's a bunch of ominous music, so I'll bet the alvarium, not alvarium, <laughs> alvarium, the thing that al- reminds me of the it- brewery. I bet it's a great yeah. and positive thing. <laughs> I'm sure. Does it start with an A? It starts with an A. Okay. I just wrote it as O through the whole thing, so it's alvarium. Uh, uh, yeah, according ovarium. to this, it's A-V-E-R-I-U-M. Ah, okay. Anyway, yes. Okay. Yes, it's going to be great. Yeah. Be fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Back in the in Sam's nerd lab, Marin and Carter are talking about plants because Sam has one. And Marin thinks that it must be because Sam is a botanist, but nope, Sam just likes it. It's just there as a decoration. They're continuing, of course, to try to talk about the Inaquita reactor core and figure out how it works so that Sam can make a replica. She asks Marin to make a sketch of it. And Marin seems completely scandalized that Sam wants her to draw something. I am unconvinced by this, though, because drawing is actually a very important skill in science. My students have to draw stuff all the time, and they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's science, and it's important, because <laughs> scientists <laughs> draw things. And now, I mean, like, now we can take pictures, but scientists used to have to be artists. Ramon E. Cajal was, like, a legit artist and uh, neuroscientist. And then you've got people like, you know, like Leonardo da Vinci, who were scientists and artists, too. So there's actually a long history of science and art going hand in hand. But anyway, they argue about the fact that Sam thinks everybody draws and Marin says, I do not draw. She's never drawn. Carter tries to show Marin how to draw by making a stick figure of herself. And she seems really pleased with it, so it's actually kind of adorable because she makes a little <laughs> smiley face and yeah. she's like, look, it's me! <laughs> and Marin looks at it skeptically and Sam says, well, I know it's not exactly like me, but it's a representation and that's that's fine, you know, it's all you really need. So Marin says, fine, she'll give it a try. She has some paper and a pencil, but the paper's not big enough. So Carter rummages around and then the ominous music starts again and... <laughs> I was wondering why, because that really made no sense here. <laughs> and then that ominous music continued into the next scene. Which is on Orban, where Daniel is still chipping away at the stone in the gate room there. Ominous chipping. Yes. Ting, 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 ting. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Teal comes mm-hmm. in, and Daniel shows 
Teal'c the stone that he's just kind of gotten up. And I didn't couldn't make out what it was. But he somehow says it proves that the ghouls were there in the last few hundred years. Yeah, to me it looked like a serpent guard. Oh, like, okay. I couldn't tell what it was. That's why yeah. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? But yeah. okay, that makes sense. Thank you. I was like, I could not tell. And so Daniel's like, well, why'd they leave? But we don't have any answers to that. Kalen yeah. comes in and his he plunks down some tools for Daniel that Daniel has apparently asked for. Why was he so out of breath here? That bag of tools was not that big. I know. And he kind of aggressively dropped it. It was kind of weird. <laughs> he did. <laughs> He's brought with him a replacement child named Solon. <laughs> and now he wants Teal'c to talk to Solon about how to fight the gold and his experiences as first prime. And Solon is honored to accept any knowledge Teal'c will bestow. But Teal'c has bonded with the other kid, Tobin. And wants him to come back. And Kaylin says he's unavailable. I still don't understand how they bond with all these children so quickly. I that don't seems know. is that normal for people who enjoy children more than I do? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know either. Teal'c's like, Toman already knows this stuff, and Kaylin's like, No, no, you have to tell Solon. It's his turn. And Teal'c is like, but Toman and I are friends. And Teal'c really wants to keep hanging out with his pal. Caitlin says it's impossible. He's gone through the avarium. And insists that Teal'c teach Solon. We get dramatic music. And a close-up of Teal'c's very unamused face. And he demands to see Toman immediately. Yes. He's intimidating when he's angry. He is. Back on Earth in the lab, Jack comes in and asks Marin what she's doing because she's apparently standing on a chair. So he picks her up and puts her on the ground, which was not appropriate. And Marin tells him that she needs 15 sheets of paper, at least 48 centimeters by 23 centimeters. And Chuck says, okay, why is Carter not helping? But apparently Sam is asleep. (laughs) So he goes over and whispers, and then shouts her name, Carter. And she, of course, is startled awake and is very apologetic to Marin for falling asleep. She looks at the drawing that Marin has done so far, and they are incredibly detailed, schematic-type drawings, but with additional shading beyond what you would normally see in a schematic. And Marin's complaining that she can't really represent the reactor core on a two-dimensional piece of paper, so she's trying to depict it minute layer by minute layer, so she needs many extra pieces of paper so that she can continue to do that. And Sam, rather than being a little bit disturbed by this, is like, yeah, this is great. I can scan him into the computer and come up with a 3D model. It's fantastic. (laughs) Jack realizes that this might be a little bit excessively type A and says, why don't you go get a rest, both of you? Marin says that your own children do not require a whole lot of sleep. And Sam is very jealous of that, although I didn't really understand why, because I love sleep. Sleep is amazing. Well, I mean, if you have less sleep, there's more science. I know, but even as a person that likes science, I am still happy to have lots of sleep and less science than to have more science and less sleep. You're just, even not, just not committed, committed enough to being a major, science nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we just said the same yeah. thing. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I don't yeah. have a PhD, so maybe that's all the difference right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You didn't change your name to Mary Dr. Mary. I didn't. I could change my, na- my middle name to Master. 
and be master <laughs> master mary master you know what my last name is but i'm not saying it right yeah. now um, but i don't have any other titles like captain i could go, go get true. a captain's license but it's not a military captainship <laughs> and then i would just feel like a, an imposter a poser Ugh. anyway <laughs> Marin wants more paper, so Jack's going to go get her more paper. And Marin also wants some of these pencils. Also. I don't know why she says it that way, but she does. <laughs> At this point in my notes, I wrote, is he going to go give her a dog? Because he should give her a dog. <laughs> Based on his experience with children. I do like that they talk about them later, but yes. that would be great if they brought, just brought in a dog here. I'd be happy. He would just walk it the way he walked the other one yeah. in his arms. <laughs> right. The way you walk a dog. That's how I've been walking Coconut lately, because she's been getting cold and stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> so I pick her up and Aww. carry her home like the precious little princess she is. <laughs> uh, I need to start putting her coat on That's her when really I take her out in the morning, because she's got like no fur on her chest and she oh, gets yeah. chilly. Kaylin's in a large hallway, but then walks over to a room off of it. And we see that Daniel and Teal'c are there with Toman. And he seems to have no, like, acknowledgement or response of Teal'c or Daniel. He's just sort of listlessly sitting there. Kaylin tells them that in this ritual process, procedure, whatever... The nanites are removed from the urons, urons, mm -hmm. yes, and distributed to the adults and non-uron children who all get an injection of one nanite from their brain. <laughs> yeah. So they, I guess from each child they get the one, which means that they're accumulating knowledge through those nanites. So everyone seems to have the same knowledge, which is interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting concept, but, like, why don't they let the Eurons keep the Eurons, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Why don't they let the kids keep, like, one or two? I don't, I don't know. So don't know. they don't fall into these vegetative states. I don't know. <laughs> also, if they have the kind of technology that they can develop these nanite things to begin with, I would think that they should be able to copy information onto different nanites that they could then implant into people so that they don't have to take them all out of the kids' heads, but... Yeah. Apparently that's not how it works there. How 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 they thought to do this. Nope. <laughs> so nope. Yeah. Daniel's like, so when you say he gave knowledge, you meant literally. <laughs> Kaylin's like, yes, it's a beautiful ceremony. And Kaylin wants them to get back to work. And Teal's like, but what about Toman? And Kaylin's like, ah, he stays here with the rest of the kids that we did this to. And Daniel's like, well, do they get to play? And Caitlin's like, what's that? And then Daniel, ex Daniel explains it. And Caitlin says that these children cannot receive new nanites because their brain rejects them. And Daniel's like, but how about teaching like in a non-nanite injecting way? And Caitlin's confused. Tells Daniel, don't worry, the kids are cared for. Daniel is like, but this is your son. Kaylin's like, my son is here now, and points to his head. And that was creepy. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting, too. So what of that do they get? Do they just get the literal information, or do they contain, like, all of the memories of these kids or something, or their personality, or 
I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering anyway. that too, exactly how much they get from each nanite. How many gigglebytes of storage do these things have? Or Did you say gigglebytes? I said gigglebytes. <laughs> or megabytes or terabytes or whatever size bites these things have. But like gigglebytes. Don't know. <laughs> gigglebytes, yeah. Gigglebytes, yeah. You've never... I don't know. Jeff calls have, them gigglebytes. I, have <laughs> I don't know if it's heard... just a Jeff thing or... I know they're actually gigabytes, but... Jeff frequently calls them gigglebytes, so now I think of them as gigglebytes. I have never <laughs> heard him say that, and I have not heard anyone else say that either. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people I, that refer to them sometimes also just refer to them as gigs. Gigs. And we all know yeah. what they are. Yeah. True. True. In the briefing room back on Earth, Teal'c is reporting to Hammond, and Sam, Jack, and Dr. Fraser are also there. Teal'c's talking about how Kaylin said that Tommen's brain isn't damaged, but... Tommen was clearly not himself anymore, and Fraser says, well, if the nanites were, had taken over the learning process and prevented the brain from developing a normal amount, uh, normal, quote-unquote, amount of synapses, then there's a good chance that their removal would make the kids infant-like. I didn't understand, really, though, are these things actively doing something to prevent the formation of new synapses in these brains? I don't understand why they wouldn't have natural synapses forming at the same time that these nanites are doing their extra job. Well, the synapses just lay back. They lay back and they go, oh, you do it then. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, go to that's, sleep. That's totally how that works. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not lecturing on synapses because I did enough lecturing on synapses last night. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Jack is pissed off that they keep these kids locked up in a room. Hammond wants clarification. Once Marin returns to Orban, she's going to undergo this avarium because she's almost old enough for that to happen. And Fraser says, yep. And Jack says, all right, well, she's not going back then. Hammond isn't pleased that Jack wants to keep her there against everyone's wishes. But Jack continues to argue that they can't send her back to get her brains sucked out. And he dares anybody to phrase it more delicately. Sam says that she agrees, but they can't just abduct Marin and, and refuse to return her. And Jack's like, why? We're saving her. It's fine. Everything's fine. Fraser says, well, why don't we just try asking them first? Maybe we can just reason with them. But Tilt doesn't think that the Orbanians would understand the reasoning behind that request. So he doesn't think that that plan's going to work. He points out that they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. Hammond decides that they're going to try a more diplomatic approach before they try anything such as abduction of children, which is probably a good call. Probably. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's an example of them like picking and choosing when to interfere in a society that is different from ours. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been examples in the past where like there have been really terrible things happening on other planets. And they've been like, well, we shouldn't do anything. And now there's a really terrible thing happening on this planet. And they're like, we got to do something. Or at least oh. half of them are. So, like. Yeah. Yeah. They need a prime directive or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that they can also just throw that out when they want to, too. <laughs> this is also true. Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. On Orban, Kaylin is stalking away, asking Daniel, who's chasing him, how he can make such demands. And... Daniel's like, we're not making demands. <laughs> and Teal'c says that this the Varium is not in Marin's best interest. And Kaylin says it's 
in her best interest and all her people's best interests. Daniel explains that in their culture, they don't do anything that will harm a child. And Kaylin's like, we don't harm them. My son is well cared for. Daniel's like, well, how about alternatives? And Kaylin says, no, Marin is going to go through her ovarium and you need to send her back to me now. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. He angrily storms out of there. And yeah. then we're back on Earth. Marin is arguing for herself at this point that the avarium is a great honor and she actively wants to return to her planet so that she can go through it and impart her knowledge to her people and be a benefit of society as she believes she's intended to be. And of course, Jack's trying to talk her out of it, as is Sam. They're trying to tell her that she doesn't really realize what she'd be giving up if she goes through the avarium. But Marin continues to say, no, it's a great honor. I've been chosen. This is my purpose. And Jack is like, stop saying that. Stop saying that. Hammond and Tilt come in and Hammond asks Jack if they can have a word. So they step off to the side. Tilk says that Kaylin refused the request, but that Daniel stayed behind and continued to try to convince him that their entire society is wrong. Jack's like, good, it'll give us a chance to convince Marin that their entire society is wrong. But because the kids already refused amnesty, Hammond says that they really can't make her stay. They do have to send her back because she doesn't have a desire of her own to stay there. Jack tries to argue that she's been brainwashed, so they can't send her back because she's not in her right mind. She can't really make an informed decision. But Hammond says the best that he can do is give 48 hours before they send the girl back. Jack goes back over to Marin and says, looks like you're going to be here for a little bit longer. But Marin says she just wants to go home. She asks again to be returned to Orban. And Jack says, well, you understand we're trying to help you, right? And she's adamant that she doesn't need their help. So, you know. <laughs> I understand the perspective from an Earth standpoint, but good for Marin for sticking up for herself here, too. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. On Orban, Kalen is trying to dial Earth, and Daniel stops him, explaining that they will splat against the iris if they try <laughs> to go through without Daniel inputting his code. Oh, what's that kid's name? Uh, Solon. Sol Solon, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Solon, who looks like Toman, and I thought was the same kid at first, but then yes. I was like, wait, he doesn't have freckles. Yeah. They all look alike when they are all wearing the same clothes and have all of their hair covered. And like... Also true. Yeah. yeah. That, that doesn't yeah. help. And they're all like yeah. about the same age. And Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Solon asks Dan to, Dan, Daniel to explain this. Daniel says he will, but he's only going to explain it to Kaylin. <laughs> Kaylin doesn't want to hear it and demands Daniel transmit his code. Daniel refuses. And Kaylin is very angry and tells Daniel, you claim to love knowledge, but when you find things you don't like, you demand we change to please you, which point Kaylin. Right? Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good point. I, I wrote that down too. <laughs> Daniel's like, not to please me. But there's got to be a better way to educate people. <laughs> Kaylin tells him that this is the best way for them to do it. And Daniel's like, but you're giving up your children. And Kaylin says, no, I was really happy and honored when Toman was chosen. It was the best day of his life. He's made a great contribution to their society. And he does not regret that. And neither did his kid. 
And Daniel's like, but what if Marin doesn't want to do this? And Kaylin explains to Daniel that Marin has spent 10 years learning the Nakuda technology and that others need and are waiting for her knowledge in order to continue the research. And if she doesn't go through with it, they're going to have to wait another 12 years for another Uran to learn so that they can continue their research. Right. Daniel's like, that oh. made it seem extra weird to me that like they're acting like they're so confused about what the concept of teaching and learning are, but like these kids aren't born with this knowledge. I understand that like the society as a whole gets the knowledge from the nanites, but the your own children have to learn this from someplace and it's not just from these nanites. They have to either like be taught or teach themselves and yeah. figure things out for themselves. So I didn't really understand why they were acting like teaching is such a novel concept. I don't know. It was, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Kaylin points out, Marin does know that this will happen if she doesn't go through with it. And she does not question her duty and tells Daniel he is misguided if he thinks he can convince her otherwise. Boom. <laughs> but really, is there only one kid learning about the Nakoda reactor i don't know i it, anyway. my impression was that there are many children learning about many different things but that each one has like one real specialty okay okay so back on earth sam's still trying to figure out how to get her own version of a reactor to work but they've only got a small amount of nakwita to work with and she's getting frustrated and yelling at the thing asking it why it's not working <laughs> somebody brings Marin in from wherever she was and he says that the kid insisted on seeing her and Sam tells the guy that it's fine. So he leaves and the kid stays and Marin says that she needs Sam's help because she wants to go home <laughs> and Janet Hammond's not letting her go home yet. But Sam unfortunately is not willing really at this point to help Marin. Marin is really disappointed because she thought that as a scientist, Sam would understand her desire to go home and be the benefit to her society that she feels she's intended to be. Sam says, you're only 11. Half the interesting things in my life didn't happen until I turned 15, which seemed like an oddly specific number to me. <laughs> and, like, I think we're supposed to take it that, like, maybe that's when she first, got, like, hooked up with boys or whatever, because Marin asks, what interesting things? And Sam awkwardly is like, you know, stuff, but... <laughs> That still seems really weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Anyway, Marin says that if it was possible, she would give Sam one of her nanites, and then she would understand Marin's perspective on the whole thing. But Sam's not convinced that it would make a difference. Turning back to the reactor, Marin asks if Sam is done with it, and Sam's like, "Well, I ran a computer simulation based on your sketches, and I thought that I could adapt my design, but she's still having issues with it." And she thinks that nerd, 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 shielding, diverting power, blah, blah, blah. But maybe the trinium is absorbing the current. Marin tries to tell Sam the answer because she apparently knows what the problem is. But Sam cuts her off because Sam loves to figure things out by herself. So she's talking to herself and working things through and fiddles with something. And then the reactor starts up. And Sam is super excited that she was able to get it working without somebody telling her the answer. And Marin asks why she couldn't just tell Sam the answer. And Sam said, well, that would ruin all the fun. 
This concept of fun confuses and infuriates us. I'm done. Anyway. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jack goes in to see Hammond. Daniel and Caitlin are there. Caitlin, of course, is insisting that Marin be sent home. Hammond tells Jack that he should know that he has already granted this request. Daniel tells Jack, I don't like it either, but you don't understand the effects this is having on the Orvanians. Jack asks, but what about Marin? And Kaylin says that Daniel now understands Marin's importance to her people. Jack's like, importance as a vegetable. <laughs> Hammond scolds him a bit. Kaylin asks Jack to try to understand, and Jack's like, no, you treat your children absurdly, and you don't deserve them. And Hammond's up to scold some more, but Jack storms out. Yep. Yeah. He does ask permission, but then he leaves oh, before yes. he actually gets he it. He does. He does. <laughs> like, yeah. He asks for permission. Yeah. In the way that he asks for anything. Yeah. <laughs> he asks the question, but it's a, a known thing that, like, it's just what he's going to do, regardless of what the yeah. answer actually is. Back in Sam's lab... She says, clear. She and Marin have goggles on, and they turn on the reactor, and it lets off a visible burst of energy that sends a ripple through the room and sets off base alarms. (laughs) I'm sure that was super healthy, since they were standing right next to it at the time. But, you know, at least their eyes are safe, because they had (laughs) goggles on. All their internal organs, maybe not so much. And Sam's excited, because they did it! And she's going to record some readings. Jack comes in and like, what the hell was that? And Marin tells him that the reactor worked. Phone rings and Sam answers it. And Jack pulls Marin aside and they leave the room together. And apparently on the other end of the phone that Sam is still talking into, somebody has called down to see what is happening. And Sam's like, no, it's fine. It's just a little energy pulse. No threat to the base. Everything's (laughs) fine. All good. Here. How are you? (laughs) Jack takes Marin into an elevator and pushes the one button. (laughs) You know, at least 28 floors. Yeah. Yeah, one button. Makes sense. Jack wants to show her something, he says. Marin's like, you don't have permission. And Jack's like, no, don't. (laughs) (laughs) In Hammond's office, Hammond is on the red phone (laughs) telling Sam not to do that again. Why were they on the red phone? I don't know. Does he have multiple red phones? It made me actually think of the fact that when I was a kid, I had a Mickey Mouse phone and the handset was red. (laughs) So maybe he has like his official red phone and then maybe his unofficial phone. It just happens to be a Mickey Mouse phone that has a red (laughs) handset. Because, like, when he hangs up, we don't actually see what the receiver is That's that he true. hangs it up on. We'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's a Mickey Mouse phone <laughs> hidden under the desk. He orders Sam to bring Marin to his office, but Sam informs him that Jack just took her out of there. So Hammond is done with her and gets on the phone to order someone to stop O'Neill if he tries to leave, but it is too late. He's already off base. Oh, no. This whole scene just was so weird to me. So we'll just get right into it. (laughs) 
Jack and Marin walk up to a random school playground. Jack has apparently told her that they're going to a school. And so Marin asks, is that what this is? Jack says, well, it's part of it. This is a playground. And Marin wants to know what it's for. The bell rings. And Jack tells her to watch as all these children start pouring out of the building and Jack's yelling to them, Bambinos, Pizzeria, Mamma Mia. And the kids all run over all excited like, Jack, it's Jack. Jack's here. Like, why do they all know him? What is going on? It's very strange. So I was very confused as to why he's apparently spending a whole bunch of time at this random school on his days off. So he tells all the kids that he wants them to meet his friend, Marin, and he wants them to show around for a little while while he goes to talk to their teacher, who's apparently named Mrs. Struble. So they take her away to play and throw a ball at her, and she just looks at it confused. <laughs> and we see a scene of some of them playing hopscotch, which is a game I never understood as a kid. In, like, the sense that the rules didn't make sense or why anyone would enjoy it? Both. <laughs> <laughs> You That's know what I fair. did love, though, was Foursquare. That was, like, my favorite Four game. Foursquare is great. I did love Foursquare a yeah. lot. Yeah. Much better than Hopscotch. Yeah. So, Mrs. Struble ta- starts talking to Jack about how the kids have been asking when he's coming back. Why do the kids know him so well? She asks about Cassandra and how she's enjoying junior high, and Jack says she's doing well and she loves it there, and then asks if this lady has room for another student this afternoon. She looks a little bit skeptical. As she should, rightly, that a random person shows up with a random unregistered child and is just like, here, teach this kid today. But apparently she decides to roll with it anyway and says that they have art scheduled after recess. So Jack says that that's perfect. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah. (laughs) So they do some art. They do. Marin is just standing there, dipping her brush into blue paint. I'm afraid I just blew myself. <laughs> just sort of like, I don't know, we kind of focus on that. Yeah, she looked very the confused teacher, by it, and they yeah. showed a nice close-up of her. Struble, Struble, Strusel, Struble. It, it's the same teacher teaching the art, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Which also, that was not my experience in elementary school, but that's fine. You're right. Agreed. Maybe the maybe the art teacher was watching them at recess. I don't know. Anyway, she's the art teacher. She wants them to paint something they love. Marin sort of looks over at another girl, and then she starts painting. We see the camera pan over, and one kid has drawn Jack. Jack <laughs> says he looks fat. Why was he even there still, though? I don't know. <laughs> Why is he allowed to hang out in the classroom? I don't. The 90s were before lockdown drill time, so I don't know. Maybe the rules are stricter now, but, like, we were kids before this, and I don't remember randos being allowed. Like, I mean, like, maybe kids' parents, yeah, but not just random people people being allowed to hang out in school Random children, yeah. (laughs) And a random kid from nowhere. Uh, Here we are. Yep, here we are. Yeah. Marin painted the reactor. Jack comes over and destroys her art. And tells her, yeah, it really was was mean. Maybe she did love that. He doesn't know. Right. And he demands she draw something she loved that's not a machine. And Marin is just confused. So Jack suggests flowers. What if she hates flowers? I know. So Marin starts over, starts to paint a little bit of green in the corner. And Jack's like, bigger, big flowers. 
all the flowers. <laughs> it's very demanding. Yeah. <laughs> and she's really not into this. It seemed pretty no. unfair to me. Marin gets stuck because she doesn't have any purple, which she was going to paint Sam's flowers, and Sam's flowers were purple. Jack tells her to use red. And she's like, well, if I had another cup, I could mix it with blue and then make purple. But Jack's like, no, red flowers. And Marin's like, but the flowers were purple and it can't be accurate. And Jack's like, it doesn't have to be exact. Paint me a flower. He wasn't exactly like this, but you know. They're not far off, though. Yeah. He was getting like kind of yeah. teasingly irritable, though. <laughs> he then hands her a big fat brush and tells her to paint a whole garden. He's getting ambitious here. And so she starts painting. Later, all the other students are gone, but yeah. Jack made Marin stay behind there? to finish her painting. It just seems mean. It does. So she finishes and brings it over to Jack. She's drawn trees and flowers, and then there's a stick figure. Jack's been sitting there the whole time watching her. Yeah, so, creepy. Yeah. It's creepy and weird. Jack asks who the stick figure is, and she says that it is a representation of Major Carter. And she asks if this is all right. And Jack's like, it's way more than right. Jack tells her, you just need to ask and I will do whatever I have to to keep you here. Marin, though, still says she has a duty to her people. And you promised you'd take me back. Yeah. Yep. That was so weird. It really was bizarre. <laughs> back in the SGC... Sam is talking to Hammond about the experiments that she was doing. Sam says that they used up the last of their Naquita that they had in that experiment, but they'll find more. And Hammond, despite getting pissed off before, is now pleased that they have a working prototype. They get to the control room and Jack is there waiting and says that he's not there to cause trouble, but he does have something for Marin before she leaves. And he gives her a giant box of crayons and it's the good kind of crayons with 96 different ones and a crayon sharpener in the yes. back. So that's kind of jealous. <laughs> Marin is very pleased to receive this gift and asks if he's mad at her for not staying and he's like no I'm not so she asks if he understands but he doesn't reply Hammond tells Sam to take Marin down to the gate room and says he'll be right there Hammond hangs back a bit to give Jack a minor scolding saying that he should be court-martialing Jack and Jack argues that, you know, for a few hours today, I got to show a little girl how to be a kid. So if you want to punish me for that, then go ahead. And like the way he worded it, it almost sounded admirable. And in some circumstances, I would say that maybe it was admirable that he risked his job to help a kid be a kid. But in this particular circumstance, there's two problems in that, A, the kid didn't want to do any of that stuff and he was forcing it on her. And B, I'm sure he knew he wouldn't actually get in any trouble for it. Yeah. Anyway, Hammond just walks away <laughs> and doesn't bother <laughs> to pursue the issue any further. Yep. Yep. Down in the gate room, Kaylin's got the crayons and the reactor. Marin makes some sort of goodbye gesture and thanks them on behalf of the Orban for the experience and that she learned much here. Sam's like us too. Marin smiles at Jack, and then the two of them go through the Stargate. Not Jack and Marin. Kaylin and Marin, just yes. in case anyone was confused. <laughs> that makes more sense. A little bit later, SG-1 comes into the control room. Hammond has apparently called them. He received a transmission from Orban, and Kaylin has asked them to go there right away. So they go there right away. 
when they get to Orban, Kaelin greets them and is super excited and super happy and thanks for them for coming. Daniel asks them what's wrong, but Kaelin excitedly tells them, ah, nothing's wrong. You gotta come see. I'm gonna show you. So he hurries out and SG1 follow him outside on Orban. There are a bunch of children and they're all playing and laughing and seeming to be very happy with what's happening. And Kaelin asks, isn't it wonderful? Tommen is there and he's playing hopscotch with some other kids. And Kaelin introduces everybody to his son, Tommen, since not all of them have met the kid. Apparently they are now teaching these children, these your own children, in the old fashioned way, letting them form natural synapses on their own. He takes out a piece of paper and says that he drew it for them to express his gratitude. And it's a stick figure with blonde hair. And he's like, it's me! (laughs) Which I thought was rather cute and silly. So Caitlin drew them a picture of himself to thank them for their help. Daniel asks when all of this play started, and he said it happened last night after Marin's avarium. Sam believes that Marin must have known that this would happen once her nanites were transferred, since she'd had that experience at the school and in the playground. So Jack's like, oh yeah, this is what she learned. Then we see that Marin is actually there too. She's drawing with crayons on a wall nearby, and Jack goes over to see her and says hi, but she clearly doesn't recognize him anymore and doesn't say anything. He sits down next to her and is like, all right, well, we'll have to get to know each other all over again then. (laughs) I was wondering why. (laughs) Are you going to keep hanging out with this kid that you spent all of like one day with on this (laughs) random planet? Maybe. That seemed weird to me. Anyway, he takes a crayon and starts drawing and Marin smiles at him and scribbles it out. And he's like, you're right. That was terrible. Have you ever seen a dog? Dogs are my favorite people. And hard agree on that. Dogs are my favorite people also. And I tell my dogs that they are some of my favorite people all the time. (laughs) Then he also talks about how some of them have tails and some don't. And he's using a purple crayon. So he says, I like purple dogs. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy. Yes. Did you like the episode? I did. Actually. Excellent. Despite all some weird things. I enjoyed Teal'c interacting with Tommen. And it's another like clash of sort of very different cultures. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. It's a, I think it's an interesting concept. Although, as we talked about, there could be like other ways to accomplish this that didn't leave children like right <laughs> helpless afterwards, maybe. Right. So I liked that, and I liked all the characters in it, and I thought, like, you know, all of their, you know, sort of beliefs and actions were very understandable. Like, it was Mm -hmm. very understandable, like, when Daniel's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty terrible, but also I totally understand, so I'm on your side now. Well, not really sides, but... And then Jack, obviously, is the way Jack is, and Sam was nerding out, and, (laughs) and so I just, I feel like it was just a very good, like everybody acting the way you expect them to sort of episode <laughs> and their their interactions were just mostly i thought fun like nice. like i don't know adults and children together overall there is a weird like this show wants to have it both ways in this episode right. yeah where there there isn't an ongoing conflict between the two because of their different philosophies for learning and rearing children because in the end children get to play and also they didn't force their views on <laughs> on right. other people, and everyone's happy with it. I enjoyed Fabulous. it. How about you? 
I actually did like the episode even uh, more than I expected to. I was actually kind of skeptical going into it. I know I've complained a lot about the child actors that we've seen so far. I actually thought all these kids did a really good job in the roles that they were trying to portray. I think it's probably pretty hard for kids to be playing somebody that has a level of maturity that's like beyond their years and a level of intelligence that's way beyond their current level of education. So the kid that played Marin in particular, I thought did a great job. Agree. A lot of the episode was just so weird to me. <laughs> I didn't dislike it because it was just weird in a funny way. Like the whole scene at the school, I was just like the entire time I'm like, just what the hell is happening here? But <laughs> that was super weird. I just I found it to be more funny than disturbing or annoying or anything like that. I just thought it was bizarre. You know, I kinda do wish that they would just pick a line like do we want to interfere with societies do we not want to interfere with societies the fact that they just take it on like a case-by-case basis of this terrible thing happens here but it's fine and that terrible thing happens there and we got to interfere like pick and choose like do we have the right to interfere or not just like making a judgment call on the case by case basis based on your own personal morals isn't necessarily a good policy but as we were also talking about before, like they technically have the prime directive in Star Trek and they like pick and choose when they want to obey that too. So yeah. I mean I can see why like as a as a trope for like storylines, you don't necessarily want to pick a hard line on that. But yeah, overall I thought it was a pretty entertaining episode and I do find the possibility of being able to transplant information and knowledge from one person's brain into another brain or from a computer into a brain to be really fascinating. And I know we talked about this a little bit a while back and how there is actually research happening into whether or not it's possible to like download people's personalities or upload information into people's brains. So I thought that the concept behind their society was really cool, even though I obviously was like, well, why not just copy the information and let the kids keep their knowledge rather than just Mm. giving it away. But yeah, overall, interesting episode, weird episode, but entertaining. Yeah. 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 So, what is next? What is next? We will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 5, Learning Curve. That's just what we watched. Oh no, just kidding. Sorry. (laughs) I meant, oh my god, brain. Not Episode 5, but, wait, was this Episode 5? I don't know. Yeah, it was five. I don't know why I did that. I totally have the right thing. Anyway, okay. (laughs) We'll be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 6, Point of View. I like the episode, but I'd rather (laughs) not watch it again. We don't need to watch it again. We don't need to talk about it again. Probably our listeners don't want us doing the exact same podcast (laughs) over. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So, Netflix says... An alternate reality version of Carter and the deceased Kowalski are found in Area 51. To transport themselves to Earth, they use the quantum mirror. Area 51 is already on Earth. Okay, Netflix? Anyway, the booklet says alternate reality versions of Carter and Kowalski are found in Area 51. Brought to Stargate Command, they start to deteriorate. However... To return to their own reality means certain death, as their world has been invaded by golds. So are they supposed to be from the same reality that Daniel already visited? Because Carter went out like a boss on that they, planet. So. Yeah, I think everybody's dead in that reality. Yeah, so, so I guess it's got to be yet another, even though they're using the quantum mirror, I guess the quantum mirror can link more than one alternate yeah. reality. Yeah, I don't think it's like a just a one route thing. All right. Well, sounds interesting. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to alternate realities. All right. Anything else? I got nothing. Unless you want to hear me talk about my cat's tissues nope, ripping out of his ear don't. again. Nope, okay. nope, 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 nope. As always, thank you for listening. I'm going to just keep talking so that Kathy can't get a word <laughs> in edgewise here. Nope, Kathy can't talk. Please make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcast of choice. Not that any of you want to know because of Kathy and her cat ear story. But if you do subscribe, you'll get our episodes as soon as they're released every other Monday. You can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated since they help others to find the podcast. And word of mouth is also great for that. So please tell your friends, family, and everybody that you know if you're enjoying the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ideally about something that has nothing to do with gross cat ears, you can email us at Stargate at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at Stargazing. If you're feeling generous, uh, those of you who are already patrons, please don't withdraw your support after Kathy's cat ear story. (laughs) And if you're feeling generous and want to help out the show, you can join our Patreon uh, group at patreon.com slash stargazing. And you can check out our website at stargazing.space. I'm Mary. That has been Kathy. You've been listening to Stargazing. (laughs) The end. (laughs) And transport them to... And transport, they transport themselves to Earth. No, excuse me. Oh my God. (laughs) Reading is hard. They are, yeah.